0: So I have um, four pages of typed notes, and you all are not the 4 p.m. Christmas pageant mass with the littles, so I'll pray for you if we get through this. Don't worry, no, I'm not reading the whole thing, don't worry, I wouldn't do that to you. And in fact, there's so many lessons to learn from the Christmas story, I hope you take the time to ponder anything that stood out for you in the reading, or read it again later on your own. Um, There's a lot there. Um, I was talking, I'll just, we'll see how we do, Just the idea that the angels tell the shepherds, I bring to you good news that will be great joy for all people. All people. That's interesting because you and I are born into a certain time frame where we're kind of checked by that. Well, wait, is Christmas really for everybody? What if you're not Christian? What if you're not Catholic? Is it for Jews? Is it for Muslims? Is it for Buddhists? Is it for all sorts of cultures and and religions? Is it for everybody? As I was was thinking about that, I was also reading a little bit of Fulton Sheen, so we'll see what comes out of that. I wasn't watching Encanto, so that was earlier today, was not tonight, sorry. This is PG-13. But um, history is full of people who have claimed to say that they came from God, or that they are gods, think of the Caesars of Rome, each one claiming to be God, wanting your worship, or that they carry some message from God. And they deserve to be heard. They have a right to be heard. The question is, how do you know which one actually might be? There have been some false ones, right, along the way. But bear with a little image, if it's helpful, imagine that you are at the New Orleans airport, arriving, tired from a long journey, maybe you went to Disney or something, and your car has been parked there waiting for you, and your car is broken down and won't start. So what do you do? You get an Uber, right? You get an Uber. You call for an Uber. And as you're sitting in line at that little, whatever, on the curb, somebody pulls up to you and says, I'm your Uber driver. Now, in our day and age, not every taxi is necessarily trustworthy. How would you know that that's the guy who's going to get you out of your predicament? How do you know that he's your quote-unquote savior coming to help you out? That he's the one that the company sent for you. Now, real like I'll get into that, but I was also thinking two warnings. Since there are so many who might offer to be your 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 taxi on the way home, so many trustworthy or not trustworthy voices, you could kind of discourage and say, I'm kind of nervous. You know what? I'm gonna go back inside and go back to the airport. I'm good. I don't wanna I don't trust you any of you. And you stay in the airport. You pitch a tent and you live in the airport. Or you you forget that you have a problem. You forget that you were supposed to be going somewhere, and you forget to be looking for the Uber in the first place. You're not keeping watch. And so you're inside, at the bar, and the Uber comes, and the Uber goes, and you missed. So don't do that. But how would you know? What I appreciate about Uber is that Uber, what do they do, right? Before the guy even gets there, what happens? You get an email and maybe even a text message, and like six other confirmations if you want them, telling you what kind of car, what color car, which license plate number, the name of the driver, maybe some other details. <laughs> I'm scared to ask. Good. All sorts of detailed descriptions ahead of time before he comes so that you know what to look for when he gets there, or she. What I appreciate is that one of the things that makes Jesus Christ stand out, because sometimes in our day and age, and in the education you and I probably had in the last several decades, we would tend to say, oh, Jesus, one more great prophet among many great prophets. And they all kind of said the same thing. Muhammad, Confucius, Lao Tse, Taoism. George Washington. What's your name? Father Michael's homily that everyone's told me about. Taylor Swift. (laughs) Taylor Swift. Come on, everybody follows Taylor Swift. Come on. Even Father Michael was a Swifty. Okay. How would you know? What's interesting is um, Jesus is the only one, the only one whose credentials were not only the fruits of what he said, or the test of time. Like all the others, they could say good things and you could wait and see, well, is that good wisdom, bad wisdom? His was not only post-history, like what happened after to prove, but there was a pre-history. He had letters of credibility ahead of time. And we've just spent the last 30-something days of Advent reading over so many things that were written about the Christ. For hundreds and hundreds of years of testimony. When you think about forensics, like does it match? Is that the right one? There's so many little things that all come together. They're not necessarily perfect. It's not mathematics. But all together, it's like, oh no, that's the guy. No doubt. No hesitation. We know where he's going to be born. We know what he's going to do. We know that how he's going to die. We know he's going to be rejected. We know he's going to be the one chosen, the one put in charge of all of God's mysteries and ministries. We know he's going to look something like the Old Testament figures, like Joseph or Abraham laying down the life of his son Isaac. We know these things. We've been reading about them. So we don't have to doubt. When Jesus came, he did not just say, let the fruits of my work speak for themselves. He also said, search the scriptures. They speak about me. He knew who he was, and he knew what had been written about him. I was actually struck, just to take a couple highlights, just from the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament. We read about the sign of Ahaz, right? Isaiah says to King Ahaz, ask God for a sign that you're going to be saved. Y'all remember what the sign was going to be? Ahaz didn't ask, by the way. Ahaz says, I will not tempt the Lord. And Isaiah says, this will be a sign for you. The virgin shall be, what? With child. The virgin shall be with child, and you shall name him, call his name Emmanuel. Now, what's fascinating for me about Ahaz is that not only did he not not ask for the sign, he also didn't do what God told him to do, and therefore he lost. And for a while, Israel became the the vassal in another country. And yet they still kept that promise, as if it hadn't been discarded because Ahaz ignored it. In its own right, it was a promise for Ahaz, and yet in a bigger picture, They held on to it. They passed it on. And you and I just read it for the last few weeks. Because that sign was still going to be a sign. And tonight, indeed, I'm pointing over here. She's over there. The virgin has conceived and born a son. And that was the sign for us if we knew how to receive it. Ahaz didn't. Have we learned? Even this morning, this past Sunday, this weekend's liturgy, the promise to David... That David wants to build a house for God, and God says, I will establish a house for you, a dynasty and a kingdom which will have no end. Promise to King David. You know how long that promise lasted for David? Not even two generations. Solomon came, and then Absalom and others, like the kingdom divided, and it was over. Quickly. Where's the promise? And then why did they pass it on? If it really didn't come true with David, except that they had a sense that this was still relevant, this was still going to be meaningful, this would still be a sign of some kingdom that would have no end. And what does the angel Gabriel say to Mary? He will be called Son of the Most High, and of His kingdom there will be no end. This is the one promised, if we have eyes to receive it and ears to hear. What's even more fascinating to me, what if I'm Chinese? in 0 B.C. A.D. It's 0 A.D. or B.C., by the way. Anyway, what if I'm Chinese? What if I'm not Christian, or Catholic, or Jewish? And the, you're not the 4 o'clock mass, so I'm going to read a little bit, but not too much story. Because um, my, my throat's dying. But watch this. I'm fascinated by this. I love history, by the way. So Tacitus, Roman historian, not Christian, not Jewish, not even liking the Christian sect that was arriving to Rome in early A.D. And he's writing around the time, I don't know, 60, 70, 180, A.D., really early on. And he talks, he talks about that people were generally, this is a quote from Tacitus, people have generally been persuaded in the faith of the ancient prophecies of the Jews that the East was to prevail, that from Judea was to come the master and ruler of the world. Now what's fascinating is Tacitus thinks this is about Emperor Vespasian, who conquered the Roman people and came back to Rome from Judea as the ruler of the world. But then Vespasian died. But it still holds true, even though it's not from the Jewish scriptures, that from Judea would come the ruler of the world. Thank you, Tacitus. So, another one, with, with Tacitus. They both recognize this, these references, who they think is Vespasian, but there are other. it's amazing how it comes true more in Christ. People were attentive to the Jews, waiting for the one promised To come around the time of Julius Caesar, a little before that, Cicero says, "Quote about the the pagan prophecies, King, a king whom we must recognize to be saved. To what man and to what period of time do these predictions point?" Cicero is asking the question because everyone had heard the question, barely decades before the answer was about to arrive. Virgil, a little later, writing for Augustus Caesar, writes, thinking about Augustus as this coming boy, child of God, a chaste woman smiling on her infant boy with whom the old age would pass away. He thinks he's writing for Augustus. Augustus died and he certainly wasn't son of a God. But even he knew the idea of a virgin looking upon her son was going to be something important. And lastly, at least for me, China. The Annals of the Celestial Empire, written way before Jesus got to China, the Christianity got to China, says, in the 24th year of the Chao Wang, I don't think I said that right, of the dynasty of the Chu, on the eighth day of the fourth moon, a light appeared in the southwest. You would think it would be the east, but where is China? It's too far. So now look at west to Jerusalem, which illumined, this light illumined the king's palace. The monarch, struck by its splendor of this light, asked the wise men, the sages. They showed him books in which this prodigy signified the appearance of the Great Holy One of the West, whose religion was to be introduced into their country. Little footnote. A Chinese document dating back to around 30 AD. When did Jesus die? 30-something AD, right? Referring to an eclipse that took place. Yin and yang have mistakenly switched, right? eclipse the moon in front of the sun. And the sun and moon were eclipsed. The sins of all the people are now on one man. Pardon is proclaimed to all under heaven. This is Chinese culture. I want to say like you're waiting for the Uber, the Savior to come. What if I'm not Jewish? What if I didn't get the memo. Check your archives in your own culture. It might be there hidden. Maybe you didn't realize it when you read it. But it's there for those who want to find it. And I guess that's my point because there's so much. Even if you're a Disney fan, come on, Moana, right? I mean, it's its own story in its own right, but if Thomas, had come, Thomas the Apostle had come to me, Moana fan, and say, You know that movie you love so much? Let me tell you the real story. He could have used my own culture, my own understanding, my own favorite stuff that helped resonate with me, helped prepare me for the true story that was, was coming. The one who was to come. So I don't know if that matters to you guys, but I found it fascinating because, like, we don't need to be intimidated by the fact that maybe, maybe my religion is not the right one. Maybe Jesus isn't the savior. How do I know? Well, all other religions and cultures, even the Aztecs and Maya, which you can look up on your own, they didn't really. They had expectations that were not completed. They were waiting. The Aztecs were waiting for their god to return to them. They knew someone was coming. All these religions, all these cultures have stories that are nice in themselves, but they open the door to more. Christianity doesn't necessarily say your religion is entirely wrong, throw it out. It says, you know, I bet there's some openings in the things you learned that would have prepared the way for the Jewish Savior to come. And when he came, he was absolutely meant for all nations and all peoples. And indeed, this is a day of great news and great joy for all people. The message goes out to all of the earth. Let us ask the Lord to help us realize what we have received and realize of what message and salvation we are messengers to others. Let it not stop with us in our insecurities or our phobias. I think George Weigel talked about a Christophobia, a fear of talking about Jesus because it's not politically correct. Get rid of that. All the world waits for a Savior. Don't get stuck in the airport thinking, well, this is how I was always supposed to be. There's no one here to save me. I'm stuck. You're not stuck. And God sent an Uber driver. God forgive me for comparing Jesus to an Uber driver. But anyway, (laughs) it's there for the taking if we want to know what we believe in. And when we read the scriptures and we know even our own culture is a little bit better and better, the light is there. Let us know it delve deeper into it, and transmit it more faithfully in our generation. Amen? Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us.